that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Is this a personnel issue? Is I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think, and again, is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his can't, part. You can't, you can't, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me as we continue this, uh, the end of the offseason into like preseason content, uh, I guess we call it preseason at this mm-hmm. point, is uh, Ishmael Johnson. Ish, you ready to, to rank some things? <laughs> rank some things. Rank some uh, things. <laughs> yeah, no, these are, these are honestly some of my favorite episodes because like it's all, one, it's all our opinion, and two, it's like a really deep dive into what the state kind of has coming back and what they're what they've added um so yeah no i'm definitely excited because last year we did these we're gonna do them a little different this year um last year i think we did our own lists for both men and women um i think we did top fives last year we're gonna do a top 10 and we're gonna do one agreed upon list for each <laughs> yes one agreed upon list um this is definitely you know because last year we did obviously a preview for every single team and we yeah. did like four or five minutes or something. I feel like this, we're doing the transfers the way we did, and then the back courts and the front courts is a very um, similar. I, I get a very similar vibe as far as I get to know the teams. In, sure. In we just don't have to do tw- 12 episodes talking about every single team. Right. So, with that being said, um, like Ish said, we have 10, uh, we have an agreed upon list here. Um, we have a couple honorable mentions sure on both the men's and women's side but let's let's get right into it mm-hmm. um on the men's side first number one this was this was highly contested uh the baylor bears adam flagler lj crier do you do we want to go through the whole list first and then talk or do we want to yeah talk go, let's go let's go through the whole list and then we'll talk about what we kind of our thoughts all right so number one baylor adam flagler flagler lj crier number two Houston, Marcus Sasser, Jamal Shedd. Three, Texas, Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter. Four, TCU, Mike Miles and Damian Ball. Five, Texas A&M, Tyrese Radford, Wade Taylor. Six, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi with Travian Tennyson and Terrian Murdix. Seven, Rice, Travis Evie, Quincy, Ov- o- Quincy Olivari. Eight, North Texas, Tyler Perry, Ruben Jones. Nine Prairie View with Jeremiah Gambrel and Will Douglas, and ten Stephen F. Austin, Rody Ware, and Latrell Jostle. That's the ten. I will share on the screen for people watching for a little bit. There you go. There you go. You can want you can visually. That's a plug to our YouTube. Yep. If you want to check us out on YouTube? Uh, you can do that as well. Dave Campbell's Texas basketball. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's start off. I guess to we'll start off off the top, you know, to me. The top two, or the, let's go top three. Let's talk about the top three in general, kind of our rationale behind it. 
because I think if you heard our last podcast, you know, we both had Tyrese Hunter as probably the best transfer, right? For in the entire state for the men's coming back. Um, so our logic with that is it played into our logic with this, but in the end, I think we went with what we know versus what we're kind of speculating on. We speculate and we anticipate that Tyrese Rad or Tyrese Hunter is going to be a very good addition for Texas and potentially bring out the best of Marcus Carr and make that probably the best backcourt in potentially right in the big 12, obviously Baylor's going to be there as well. Um, But we know what we're getting with Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer because they looked, obviously you lose James Akinjo, but we know we've seen Adam Flagler for going on three years. Now we saw LJ Cryer break out before he got hurt. Similar to Marcus Sasser. I believe he's going to be probably a preseason all American despite going down with injury. Uh, Jamal shed. We saw him break out. They have Tremont Mark coming back we kind of know what those two teams have versus what we're kind of hoping that Texas has. So I think that was my at least uh, thought process because you, I think you originally sent me, I think Houston one. I no, think. I had Baylor one, but then I was like, Texas and Houston, I, right? I was thinking about it and I was like, right. maybe should we actually put Houston as one? Because yes, 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 yes. Going through it. I was like, you know, everybody has Marcus Sasser as a preseason All-American, and I, sure. I understand that. It makes sense. But – and then Jamal Shedd has been getting a lot of national pu- publicity as well. I mean, mm-hmm. for the job that he did, obviously, last year in place of Marcus Sasser, like, that, he was great. So I was like, do we put them at one? And then I kept going back and forth, and you were right. I mean, with LJ Cryer, last year Baylor was basically unbeatable for – a lot of the year mm-hmm. and then obviously he goes down the offense takes a hit so figuring out one and two for me was tough i i'm fine with texas at three because marcus Carr did have a down year last year because tyrese hunter does have a, still a couple question marks to me even though he's a very good player defensively he's great offensively i think i need to see the shooting you know come around a bit mm-hmm. so i'm cool with them at three for me it was a battle of one and two between baylor and houston and yeah I'm fine with anybody who says Houston should be one. Um, I just – I have Baylor – I think Baylor with Flagler and Cryer doing this for a couple of years now, having them at one, I'm cool with. And then I did mention, and if you are watching on the YouTube, I had in parentheses Keontae George who, mm-hmm. you know, if Keontae George ends up being the player that we think he is and he should be, yeah. then you can theoretically add him. I tried keeping it to two players per team. Sure. But if we did expand to three – you know, you have Keontae George there, and that makes it kind of an obvious number one uh, for yeah. Baylor. I think the other thing, too, is that Jamal Shedd didn't really break out until after Sasser went down. And so, yeah. like, you know, they played together, obviously, um, and Sasser looked great. But the Jamal Shedd that we kind of saw lead the team was more alongside Kyler Edwards than it was Marcus Sasser. So, you know, obviously no Kyler Edwards there anymore. So yeah. I'm not saying he's going to take a step back or anything. Um, maybe he gets better now that Tremont Mark helps him probably man that point guard position too. But um, yeah, that was my thing was, was just like, we saw Flagler and Cryer kind of man that three man backcourt with the Kinjo. And we definitely know what's happening there. Um, you mentioned Tyrese Hunter, his shooting and all that. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, I think that's something that he'll be able to one fix um, over time, but also like not have to rely on as much because Iowa State depended on him so much for everything. You know, now he has yeah. Marcus Carr, he has Timmy Allen, he has so many other, you know, uh, 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 
Dylan Mitchell, Arterio, right? Two five stars, freshmen playing with him. So like, it's not going to be just him to kind of generate so much of the offense, but it's going to be enough to where I think Marcus Carr now doesn't have to be so methodical and, and probably think too much about what's going on in the half court. All right, let's get to number four. We had TCU, Mike Miles and Damian Ball. Was there any consideration of to you to move them at three, maybe above Texas or is four or like the perfect spot? Yeah, I, I mean, as far as two-way backcourts go, like they're probably the best, right? Like two-way backcourts in terms of like offense and defense, right? Damian Ball is probably one of the better, probably the best perimeter defender out of the top four. Yeah, it's hard because Baylor, when you say Baylor, Houston, Texas, uh, they're like three of the best defenses in the country sure sure i'm not saying yeah, i'm not trying i'm to not saying it individually that it's because of them but it's just like right hard to say anything right negative i think them. yeah i think i mean you could say something about that obviously um i think you have if they were at i mean they'd probably start if they're at like some of these other schools too potentially who knows like you know mike, mike miles absolutely is in the conversation to start it if he's out of texas if he's at yeah. you know baylor wherever um Damian Ball isn't going to wow you with a lot of the his scoring numbers, but he's just going to be consistent. One, he's going to defend like no one else. And then he's going to absolutely fill up the stat sheet in terms of points, rebounds, assists, right? He's going to give you that rounded, that roundedness. So I think you're looking at one of the more balanced backcourts. So I think if somebody wants to make an argument that they're top three or, you know, by the end of the year, they're in conversation for top two, potentially. Um, and also, it, I will say it took a, it took a little bit for the whole for TCU as a whole but also yeah. like to really get in the gear and if they ended the year if they started the year the way they ended the year they're probably more in that conversation but I'm okay with four um I think they're firmly at four I don't think AM's better and I don't, I don't think, think they're so. probably you could probably make an argument for three but I think that that's their range probably yeah, that's their highest four is four is comfortable which is obviously yeah. why we have them at four um five Texas A&M Tyrese Radford Wade Taylor I this was a late flip for me I had six um i had them at six and flipped them up to five above a sec bias got the better of you yeah sec bias uh and of corpus christi travian tennyson and terion murdicks um this was tough because obviously i think tyrese radford is the best player of these of that group between those four mm -hmm. players that i named but and of corpus christi i mean Tra travian tennyson and terion murdicks were really really good players in conferences play especially both both average over 12 points and uh, I mean, Murdoch's uh, over three uh, three assists per game. So, and they're going to have an even you know bigger role this year um, going in going into uh, the season. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Tennyson was All Conference third team. I think I look at him a similar way. I look at Ty Tyrese Radford in terms of you know third third team All Conference, like a, someone who can step into a role an even bigger role this year. And so I, I think. Coming around on Wade Taylor for me is going to be big because I, I just have high expectations for him. We've had high expectations for him since he committed there out of high school. So yeah, if Wade Taylor ends up being the player that we think he can be, I think that could be two potentially all SEC caliber players there. No, I agree. I think you look – I mean, you know, it's hard to write off a conference championship team like Corpus, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they they – I don't want to say they stunned everybody because you know the the Southland was kind of wide open, but still first year head coach, um, things really clicked for them. They looked really solid, uh, made the tournament, and AM, I think AM is the perfect example of that. If they finished the way they if they started the way they finished, it probably is a different conversation. Yeah. Um, because they ended so impressively, making the run in the NIT. They're definitely one of the best teams to get snubbed from the tournament overall. 
Um, I think they're, that backcourt is a big reason why. And if you want to throw in Henry Coleman in the front court, like that's, that's, they're the reason why we have such high expectations for them heading into the year. Um, based, I don't want to, it's more or less tournament or bust kind of for them this year. Definitely. Um, and so um, they're in a bunch of like top 25, top 30. Right. Exactly. But yeah. Because the way they ended the year, and like I said, people yeah. thought that they were one of the best teams. And I, I agree. They were one of the best teams left out. Um, Wade Taylor definitely came on as somebody who's going to be um, uh, one of the a, a potentially top point guard in the state um, and one of the more emerging players in the SEC. So I don't have a problem with it. Um, Travian Tennyson, I think Tennyson and Murdoch's are like very steady. And they're very, they're very uh, I think it's hard for me to, I'm okay with putting AM above because I think even though we don't include, like, let's put it this way. Both teams have two forwards that the team kind of goes around, right? AM has Henry Coleman and um, uh, uh, Corpus Christi has uh, Isaac Mashila. And so like, they both have two forwards that are kind of more the focal point. But I feel like if you take Mashila versus Coleman, and take one of those out. I think Mashila, if you take him out, Corpus suffers more than if you take AM out, uh, if you take Coleman out of AM. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, 7A, we have two Conference USA schools, Rice and North Texas. I am stunned that you, I, I, I didn't want to argue this because I wanted you to explain this. So, what will you have Rice over the, the team of your ire, the absolute. <laughs> The grave digger himself for the Rice men's basketball program, Matthew Bruni, ranks the Rice backcourt over his okay. alma mater and two-time defending. Look, I had to give I had to give North Texas. I had to give them more bulletin board material. They didn't have enough going into the year. Honestly, Tyler Perry's going to shoot seven game winners this year. Just to- <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. Um, this was okay. I have been a um, I don't want to say apologist. But and part of the reason I got so upset at Rice last year was because so you're an absolute, you're the opposite of an apologist. You you are an absolute like the okay, biggest yes, critic I was, of this. Program. I was the opposite of apologist during the season, but like I feel like there's so much talent on this team. It, that's why I was upset. It's like okay. that's why it's like frustrating that Paris can't get anything out of these guys right. because Travis Evie. This will be what his fourth year of being or his third year of being a double digit scorer like he continues to fill it up every single season he averaged 13 and a half last year obviously carl pierre came on last year and was was great for them cool and quincy olivari kind of took a step back and he only averaged Mm -hmm. 10 last season but two years ago they were both averaging what like 14 15 and so last year they go to 13 points and 10 points i mean in theory evie and olivari are two guys who should be, again, 13, 14 point per game scorers, help Rice be a, a an average team in Conference USA, if not above average team in Conference USA. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of a flaw because they just haven't completely done that yet. But I've, I'm going to just say put the blame on everybody else outside of them and say that these two guys are too talented not to be below seven. Okay. So. I will say, I to your point, so shout out to my new favorite website, Hoop Math. Um, I was curious because, like, you know, you mentioned it, right? This is a team that loves to get out in transition. They love to shoot threes. They love to – that's how they beat you, right? That's how we're always, like, very cautious to them come turn, uh, tournament time because if, if they got hot, they could – all of a sudden you blink and they're in the semifinal yeah, or something. Yeah, they did a couple years ago. Tomorrow. Right. 
obviously hasn't happened since, but we were kind of like waiting for that, uh, waiting for them to catch teams off guard. Now, to your point, those shots just didn't go down last year. They're a team that love early shots, and I'm looking at it right now. Transition, so they have a hoop math has offense and transition, which is, you know, basically they measure it as attempts within the first 10 seconds of a possession that starts with a tr- with a turnover, right? Steal okay. or yeah. defensive rebounder. They count that as a tur- quote-unquote turnover. They shot combined. This is with Carl Pierre and I'll throw Olivari in there as well. They shot, but basically 150 threes total between those three guys. That's Pierre, that's Evie, that's Quincy Olivari. They made... 50 of them roughly yeah they shot horribly for shots that they took way too many way too many of right if that's the offense you gotta hit a better clip than that right yeah uh travis eb shot 26 percent on those transition threes after taking 60 right if that's your offense you better have something better than that going on um but i agree that you watch him and you're like oh yeah i'll trust him to take that shot and then he hits 26 percent. you're like well i don't know why i'm trusting you to hit that shot so. yeah and then then they run <laughs> offense occasionally and they right. you know get some decent looks out of it and they can score the ball and they have these games where they're hot and mm-hmm. evie i mean to be fair he ends the season i'm trying to look at the splits here yeah early in the season or he ends the season 38 from three in conference only 34 percent from three olivari right. 37 from three in conference yep. uh, pierre was over 40 percent from three in conference so you have these moments where it's like all right they look like they can do something. And so that's what I'm always going to hold on to. Like if they can just put it together as a team and as a coaching staff and as a program, right. I feel like these, these are two very, very talented guards. And well, do you have anything else on rice before I was trying to turn? No, I was, I was, I was just going to say like, go, you know, obviously Tyler Perry doesn't need much explanation. Tyler Perry is, is an elite guard. Um, I'm interested to see what he does as a starter this year. Obviously last year coming off the bench, he was, a flamethrower and arguably like their only form of offense. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much, you know, if he'll have the same responsibility on his shoulders this year. Uh, he's great. Ty- Tyler Perry's great. <clears throat> the problem comes in finding a second guard. Mm-hmm. And Ruben Jones, uh, someone I've, I've obviously covered a lot of and watched a ton of, this has to be the year Ruben Jones takes that next step. This mm-hmm. has to be Ruben Jones's breakout year because as a freshman, it was cool. He was like, dang, this guy can really, really play out of Yates. You know, he's uber-talented. Last year, uh, starter, I wanted more from him. I think he ended the year with uh, eight points per game, right? Yeah, eight points Something per game. Him. So, you know, fifth leading scorer. Um, definitely someone who I, I thought was fine, but as a sophomore, didn't quite take the step forward I was looking for. Mm-hmm. This year, I, I expect him to be in double digits pretty simple and if he can get to that 10 11 point threshold where he's also racking up assists then i think north tech will look back on this and be like all right north texas is probably a top five backcourt but i I need to find i need to see ruben take that step forward and then also i threw kai huntsbury in there as the transfer he could be really good too so if Mm -hmm. either of those take a step forward then then we're like okay they're a top five backcourt i think the thing for me that i'm really curious about is and they were able to do it. They were, they were able to. UNC was able to make it work without this, because obviously you look at the year before, 
and they had an elite guard that can get in the lane and make things happen, right? Yeah. Last year, they didn't really have that, but they didn't really need that. They had a lot of outside shooting. They had, they had enough scoring on the inside to where they could dump it, somebody, you know, dump it to somebody. I'm looking at it, and Tyler Perry and Ruben Jones combined for less for less than 70 shots at the rim, right? And so I'm, that's my – I'm curious about that, right? Does Tyler Perry have that in his game, or is he good enough from the outside to just, like, make that his thing? Which, yeah. sure enough, he shot, what, an insane percentage from three last year. So, like – and he took a lot of them. So, let me see. He shot 43% from three. So, like, he doesn't need to be – If also, he's a little – I don't want to say undersized, but like he's a little smaller, so like he, he maybe undersized. doesn't. He's he's like five five eleven five ten. Is he five eleven? Okay, I, I didn't know if he was six or not. Um, but so like <laughs> don't hesitate so... before you label them under six foot. <laughs> I was about to say yeah, I don't want I don't know I don't know. <laughs> like yeah, you don't you don't know what he what he tells people. You know I don't have the measurement I don't have the measurements up right now. But uh, so but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm curious about that, right? I'm curious what. Tyler Perry looks like as a starter. There's a, it's a, we talked to Grant McCaslin a little bit about starting versus being uh, the, the sixth man, right? And how that yeah. offense changes from how they start because they are more of a, more of a half court offense and have more of, I mean, they're obviously half court offense, but yeah, like they now are, they're they are half court offense. That's for sure. They, 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 he, they, they do laps if they get the ball in transition, um, <laughs> if they don't pull that ball back out. Um, but you get, you get what I'm saying, right? It's a lot, yeah. it's a lot more methodical, a lot more sets because they don't have that guy to bail them out early in the game. Then when Tyler Perry gets up, okay, cool. This set's not there. This looks not there. Get us a shot. Um, yeah. Does that start earlier now that he starts or does he initiate more? of that methodical work it around work the ball inside offense. I don't know. Um, that's my question, Mark. Like you mentioned, it's more on Ruben Jones to be that guy. Tyler Perry is that guy. Um, we'll see more game winners from him uh, late uh, this year, just because I don't know if there's anybody else in the state that I'd rather have the ball with, you know, <laughs> a minute left and, and you're down a couple scores. So um, yeah. as far I mean, as that's concerned, he's. Yeah. Especially with Drez, uh, being gone too i mean mm, it has mm -hmm. ruben has to take a step forward so that's yeah that's the whole thing holding me up from not putting them a little bit higher sure. all right nine i have prairie view uh nine we have prairie view jeremiah gambrel and will douglas and then 10 we have sfa roadie where roadie Ware and latrell jostle uh for sfa uh roadie Ware only played 10 games last year mm -hmm. um averaged 11 points shot 42 percent from three i just trust him to get back to where he was and right. Latrell Jostle averaged, I believe, 9 points per game. Yeah, 9.2 points per game. Didn't shoot the ball very efficiently uh, from two, but from three was 37%. So you'll take that. Um, and Prairie View, obviously, Jawan Daniels is gone. So you have Jeremiah Gamble, who was the second lean scorer last year. We'll have to have more on his plate. He had 11.6 points per game last year. And then um, you kind of go from there, and you have Will Douglas and – Will Douglas average? I had this stats uh, ten point two points per game, so you know you get two of your starting guards back, and I expect them to be solid, if nothing else. No, I agree. I think that you know you have. I'm curious because like the whole well, one, the the frustrating thing is um, Texas Southern doesn't have their 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 rosters up, so Roster we can't up. really we can't we can't really see what uh what they have. Henry was, I I literally had to go and search pj henry and i checked his twitter yeah and i was like okay he's still on texas southern it's still in his bio he was retweeting stuff yeah and but i'm looking for the roster and i'm like i can't find anything else here so texas southern arguably could have been on this list if i sure. knew who was still but on like team. as far as what we know you know i trust these guys coming back versus i don't know it's, it's always weird with 
HBCUs in the SWAC, like they could transfer to anywhere, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I do trust them as one of the best teams in the SWAC. And I think as of what we know right now, potentially the best or one of the best backcourts returning. Um, I like SFA. SFA has been kind of in that, I don't know, they haven't been bad, right? But it's definitely like not the SFA we're used to as far as that's concerned. And, you know, part of that was injury last year, like you mentioned. So I'm, this is going to be a very fascinating year for me when it comes to SFA's um, trajectory. Because they're obviously, they're a 21 program. Kyle Keller's done an incredible job there. I think they've, I want to say they might have won 20 games every year he's been there, yeah. um, except the year That's before because of uh, yeah. the COVID year. But, like, I don't know. I'm curious what he looks like with a with a healthy team now. Like, you know, last year probably could have been a breakout year for them. Um, the crazy so, thing is, last year it was it was like it was as though they were it was as though they were very quiet in what mm -hmm. they did. I mean, they ended up going 22 and 10, 14 and 4. So I don't. So I was victim of this. Like I didn't, we didn't talk about them a ton because sure. there was just not <clears throat> there weren't a bunch of marquee wins, a bunch of marquee games where you're right. like, oh. You know, this really shows how good SFA is. No, they they beat up on a couple bad teams, and then you know they lost to New Mexico State, um, lost to ACU late in the season, and then kind of flamed out at the end. So there wasn't much to hold on to, and so mm -hmm. I like like you said, I'm interested to see how they how they look at full speed, full go. Yeah. One more thing um, about Jer uh, Jeremiah Gambrell. I'm curious now that he is more of the guy at Prairie View. Like he by far led the team with three point shots, right? He jacked up a lot. He almost jacked up 180. Um, and now that Jawan Daniels is gone, is that are we, hit, are we hit? Are we hitting 200? Right? <laughs> are we? <laughs> I was about More. to say. And well, credit to him, he hit 36 percent of those. Like that's a, a stupid number for somebody jacking mm -hmm. 176 shots. So does that go up? I don't know. Prairie View likes to play fast, so probably that'll be fun to watch. So I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see what that looks like. All right, uh, we can wrap this up pretty quick or on the men's side because we spent 25 minutes on the men's side. Uh, UTEP honorable or this honorable mentions UTEP mm -hmm. Tay Hardy and Shamar Givens. Uh, both talented players, obviously, kind of just need to see how they fit within Golden's system. Yep. Uh, Texas Tech, I was not going to put Davion Harmon and Jalen Tyson on here. I it's a lot know. of it's a lot of wait and see with those. This guys. was not, yeah, this was not in order of honorable mention. I just have right. the names written down. I was not going to put Texas Tech on here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, actually, like, honorable mention: Sam Houston State, Quay, Quay Grant, and Dante Powers. I think could be actually pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. Them. It just depends on how Quay Grant does uh, coming up from. Obviously, he was a Wichita State, but he was a good D two player. So yeah, um, I like I said, Texas Southern. I have PJ Henry, and then no roster. So you know, it could be somebody good, and it could right. be someone not good. So uh, Texas State, Mason Harrell. I couldn't figure out who the second player is. Elijah Kennedy. I burned down. I, that I yeah, know. no, it's. I would not be surprised if uh, I'm not surprised that they didn't make the list just because right now the only guy guaranteed is uh, Harrell. I mean, it could be. Um, uh, Drew Drennan, but I don't know. They liked yeah. him as the guy off the bench, so who knows? Um, and then the last team I'll mention is Abilene Christian, uh, Damian Daniels, Hunter, Jack Madden. I I was looking at Abilene Christian's roster. It's kind of I've written down weird young roster. Yeah, that's how I described it. So there you go. <laughs> okay. All right, to the women's side. Let's see if we can roll through this. Let me pull up the, or actually, let me go through them and then I'll say, and then we'll put them up. All right. <clears throat> Number one is Texas, Rory Harmon and Shaylee Gonzalez. Two, Baylor, Jamie Asbury and Sarah Andrews. Three, North Texas with Jacqueline Moore and Quincy Noble. 
Four, AM Corpus Christi, McKinnis Serrata and Violetta Verano. Uh, five, UT Arlington, Kayla, Kayla White and Jare Washington. Six, UTEP, Jay Zion Jackson and Nia Boyd. Seven, Houston, Layla Blair, Tierra Young. Eight, Texas State, Kennedy Taylor, Kayla Bowie. Nine, Texas Tech, Briamber Scott, Riley McKinney. And 10, AM Commerce, Diana Robinson and Asia Smith. There's the list. Texas A&M Commerce making the debut. Making making the list already. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's start from the top again. I mean, I asked you, similar to the last one, I guess, like one and two. You know what? To me, I guess I was I asked you like, okay, is are we underrating or overrating Shaylee Gonzalez right now for Texas? Right, like putting the obviously Rory Harmon's. The, I think, in our opinion, easily the best guard in the state. Yes. Um, I have no, I have no qualms with that. My question when I when you sent me that list, I was like, okay, I, it, you know, explain to me what the one and two was, the logic between one and two was. I guess was my question for you. The so Rory Harmon is obviously, I think Rory Harmon is significantly better than anybody else on this list. Like yes. Pretty, if she can, if she takes a modest step forward, I think she's still right by far the best. Shaley Gonzalez. I had her high on my transfer rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had her four, three. I don't remember. But she was the West Coast Conference Player of the Year last year. Second team All-American from the Athletic. I mean, she was the mid-major player of the year finalist. Uh, I mean, all West Coast Conference. First team, obviously. Averaged eight, over 18 points a game. Six boards, four and a half assists, two and a half steals. I'm, I'm, I'm betting that she's pretty good. I'm betting that we. I didn't watch BYU last year, but I'm betting that she can be a good player compliment to Rory Harmon and she can be I look at her on the same level I look at Baylor's backcourt in a sense mm. so if I look at them the same then I think Rory Harmon kind of puts it over the top so okay yeah, I'm yeah that's fair I yeah I I can I can see that um god it's just gonna be so weird what to expect from this Baylor team obviously we like their additions we had you know um Brianna Howard and Asia Blackwell on our top transfers list. Um, they're going to be impact players in the front court. But, like, what does this team look like when I'm assuming the offense goes more around Asbury and Andrews than it did last year? And, you know, obviously they want to be more guard-oriented. And so I guess I've been waiting for, like, Sarah Andrews took a step forward last year, right? I'm, I'm thinking she, was, she looked really, really good at times. Um, but there were those games where – it felt like they needed to not have so much on their plate, right? Yes. Like it looked, it, I guess there that, were games where you wanted them to not shoot the ball. Right. Yes. Uh, and that's where I'm okay with, that's where I fell in the end being okay with Texas because how much was on Rory Harmon's plate and how much she needed to have on her plate offensively, defensively being that spark. Um, and just kind of, they basically went as she went, right. If she was stuck in, second gear on offense they couldn't get going either if she was playing both ways getting in transition getting in the passing lane then they were just absolutely clamps and lockdown um but yeah baylor there were there were times last year where like y'all shouldn't be shooting these yeah. 25 33s y'all got Melissa smith um so that's where the, the talent is there for baylor um but i i do wonder about the consistency and the kind of the rel- the ability to rely on them as opposed to rory Harmon, who you know, maybe they don't have to rely on her because they have somebody now like Shayla Gonzalez to to throw the load on a little bit. And you know, we could you could also throw um, 
as maybe a hope, right? A Kendall Hunter, right? Um, somebody who we hope develops a little more to to kind of help the load. Obviously, we're keeping it to two, but if you want to throw depth in there, right? Baylor, I don't think Baylor has the depth to even match with, you know. I think that would help Texas's case, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I also mentioned uh, Sonia Morris. Sonia mm-hmm. Morris mm-hmm. as a player from DePaul who is yep. basically like one of DePaul's leading scorers all time. So, And I think they still have Aliyah Mathar. Was, oh, no, wait, sorry. She went to Florida. No. I, she did go to Florida. I forgot. Yeah. Sorry. RIP. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I will take the list down now. All right. Next, North Texas. This was this. They moved up a lot, for, like late, because I was just looking at it. I was like, you have Jacqueline Moore here, who averaged I think mm-hmm. over seventeen a game at Incarnate Word, mm-hmm. and then you have Quincy Noble, who averaged over fourteen a game at North Texas last year. And if they can come together then I think they are better than everybody else on this list. <clears throat> I mean, I'm really high on Anna and Corpus Christi. Obviously, they had a really good year last year. McKenna Serrata um, was first-team all-conference. Uh, Violetta Verano, uh, I believe, led the conference in assist and averaged nine points a game on top of it. So you have a really good backcourt there. And then I think you can even throw UTA and UTA. Like, the three through six here yep. is very tough. I'll put it back on, on, the, on the stream for those who didn't see this. But the three through six here of North Texas, then AM Corpus Christi, then UT Arlington, then UTEP was really tough because UTA, Kayla White uh, was, I believe, second team all of all LAAC last year. And then Jeray Washington uh, averaged 14 a game at Arkansas State. And then UTEP, Jay on Jackson was really good at North Texas last year. And Naya Boyd coming from uh, Oklahoma State. I mean, three through six, that that's how I, I have them. And that's yeah. how I mean, you, you signed off on them. Do you, is there any movement that you would suggest here, or what do you think? The weird thing about like, I, I agree with what you basically, which all what you said, but like, I, the one that fascinates me more is UTEP, because like, I don't know, Jay Z and Jackson and I Boyd were on the same roster before, you know, like they didn't play a they didn't play a ton together, I don't think uh, that you know because it was obviously just one year, um, but like they have some familiarity with each other and like, yeah. That's that's the most fascinating one to me. I, I agree with UNT. I think Jocelyn Moore absolutely is a potential star there. I don't think it's that big of a jump um, to go from to, to basically if she if she's not. I don't think she's going to drop the exact same numbers as she did at um, yeah. at uh, uh, in kind of word. In kind of word. But like, if you can go from that to um, you know 15, 13, right? I think that's absolutely you know, within the realm and she's young enough. She's still a junior um, to where she could probably still, by the time she graduates, she could get to that 17 mark, uh, point mark. And considering that they had no one else on that team, I think it wouldn't be a shock if she's able to be that efficient um, with her scoring still. So I agree about the ceiling of that team. I think that her and Quincy Noble are a fascinating combination. Um, I think as far as I agree with the placing right now, just because Nia Boyd's a year out from when she was really good with North Texas, um, obviously struggled at Oklahoma State. Um, and Jay Zion Jackson, I think, is really good as well. But I, you know, as far as what they are together, not sure. Um, I'm okay having UTA and uh, Corpus Christi teams that, you know, were very successful in their conference. Um, I think with Corpus Christi, the only thing for me is it's similar to the men, where it's like they had this star player and Alicia Westbrook mm-hmm. in the front court, you know, are they able, obviously McKenna Serrata was, I think they're actually their leading scorer, but uh, Alicia Westbrook had such a huge stretch for them as far as being a double, double machine. But um, 
I do wonder what it's what it looks like a little bit with now. Uh, well, uh, Westbrook's back, I believe. Oh, she is. Okay. Well, I guess that that plays into it, right? Well, like you know, mm-hmm. what take away Westbrook? What is that backcourt? Right. I still think yeah. McKenna Serrata still racks up a ton of points, um, and she shot the ball very well. I think nearly fifty percent. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, I'm okay with that placing for now. That's my only question with them, and. Um, as far as uh, uh, UTA is concerned, I, I think Kayla White's really good. I think um, Jared Washington's really good. I think those are um, – I'm more – I don't know. I guess that's more of a – that's more of a, a wait and see as well for me yes. a little bit. So. Yeah, UTA – I'm excited to see UTA because obviously they lose Katie Farrell, lose Terry and Milton. Um, I don't remember who the other ones are lost. But, I mean, they, they add – you know, Jure Washington and Kayla White, and you still have Star Jacobs. It's going to be a real interesting team. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we covered three through six there. I I wouldn't have a problem with the, any order of those that group between mm-hmm. North Texas, Corpus Christi, UTA, and UTEP. I think those are pretty comfortably the three. That's kind six. of our, that's kind of our, like, the, the whole category is kind of like a wait and see category. Like, yeah. <laughs> that whole, like, block of teams are like, I like all those names. I don't know how they're going to work together, but yeah, like if we put tier names on there on these, you know, tiers, it's you know, you have the one and two. You have like the established right. uh, two, uh, two up top, and then three through six. You're like, on paper, they're great. <laughs> right, <laughs> that, right, that's yeah. what I would call three through six. So, um, seven is Layla Blair and Tiara Young. Eight, Texas State, Kennedy Taylor and Jaquila Bowie. Um, I think you could throw nine and. 10 in there too. Heck, uh, yep. Scott from Texas Round Tech and Riley McKinney. Um, and then AM Commerce, Dan- Diana Robinson. I see a uh, Smith. AM Commerce was really good last year at the Division II level. Mm-hmm. Now they're bumping up a bit. So I feel like putting them on the list was was safe. But sure. any any qualms here with seven through 10? Not really. Um, I think Ja'Kayla Bowie for Texas State's an interesting, an interesting one because she's somebody who I think gives them enough secondary playmaking to not have as much of a load on Kennedy Taylor. Um, I know she led, I think she led the nation in assists last year. Um, and they just need somebody to kind of do a lot of the other stuff. She's not going to fill up the stat, the stat sheet. She's not going to, you know, shoot it lights out from three. I think she shot, I think she shot like maybe two threes a game last year. Um, the one that fascinates me most, it's tech. Yeah, because I have no idea what the hell to expect. Hundred percent. Um, Brianna Scott missed a lot of the season, and then when, even when she came back, it was like she then she was gone, and then she was back. Right, here. right. And uh, uh, Riley McKinney started the season very well. Right. Yeah. She when Vivian Gray was out, Riley McKinney was somebody you're like, oh man, she's definitely. I think she is somebody who can still play at this level, but like at, when she started, she was like, oh, there's no question. Right. I think she had like. 15, let me see, I'm looking back on it, 15, 21, 14, 15, 11, 14. And then after that New Mexico game on November 28th, she had three double-digit scoring games the rest of the year, right? And part of that I know was Vivian Gray came back fully healthy and like, or not fully healthy, but like as healthier. And then she just started getting less minutes. Um, So this is one that's like a potentially high ceiling one because Mm -hmm. Brie Amber Scott we know is potentially that, she was brought in to be that secondary player behind uh, Vivian Gray, and obviously injury hurt that. But we know that she has the ability to be, based on what she's done in the past, um, at uh, what was it, Little Rock? I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. And so, um, 
So she, that's probably the one that's like that they could shoot as high as into the top three (laughs) by the end of the year, or they could drop out of the top 10 and be like, yeah, they, we, you know, Amber Scott never got healthy and Riley McKinney didn't hit her early season highs as she did last year. Um, So that's one that's fascinating to me. Houston, I'm okay with it. They were disappointed last, they were disappointing last year, but we know Layla Blair is a top uh, all conference player. Um, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Putting, putting it blankly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much else uh, to add to add on to what you said already. I think Tech is obviously the highest ceiling of this group. Like, if they yeah. put it together, Texas Tech is obviously in that three through six range like we talked about. Um, <clears throat> I think to Kayla Bowie, you know, we want to see her take a step forward next to Kennedy Taylor. If that's mm-hmm. the case, then Texas State, that a team that we're already high on because they returned everybody, could right. be even better and – yeah, I mean, AM Commerce, they won a lot of games last year. Diana Robbins, Diane Robinson was really good for them. So, you know, I'm just, like we like we always talk about, they come in, we'll see where, you know, how they fit in Division One ball uh, on a consistent basis and how they play. So that was kind of more cautionary thing. Leaving, as we go into, like, who we, who didn't make it, I have two teams here is SFA yeah. and Abilene Christian. Oh. SFA, mm-hmm. Zion Nugent, obviously, is a very, very good player. Figuring out the second player there is tough. I put Angel Scott and Angel Scott. I don't believe had a didn't have a great year last year as far as you know she didn't fill it up statistically. So I I couldn't justify putting SFA on there as just Zaya Nugent. Sure, I yeah I agree. I think when you lose Stephanie Fisher, you know you're kind of looking at that. Zaya Nugent I think will be fine. Um, and from the games I saw last year, Angel Scott was good in in spurts. Um, she had her moments, and I definitely know, I definitely see why there were times where she was the first guard off the bench, or that she, you know, they played, uh, they let her run point with Stephanie Fisher, things like that. But like you mentioned, there's a reason why I think they also trusted or they wanted to Sharon Robinson out there, uh, uh, playing point a lot off the bench or um, starting sometimes. It just didn't quite click. And I think from what we expected of them last year compared to the year before, I think it showed kind of the, the the drop off in point guard play, right? And I don't want to put that all on Angel Scott because um, I think it was as, as a whole. I think they that position wasn't as solidified because um, yeah. Stephanie Fisher was a little bit better as a two guard than she was as a, as a pure point. But yeah, um, that's somebody who I'm hoping takes a step forward because she has a lot of energy. Um, she's really good defensively, and I I'm curious if yeah I'm curious to see what happens there with. Um, if they can figure something out. Cause like you said, Zaya Nugent is somebody who can fill it up and I'm kind of excited to see her without Stephanie Vischer. Right. Does she hit that like 18 yeah. point mark? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, Abilene Christian as the second one, uh, Maddie Miller and Bella Earl are the two Bella Earl came off the bench for most last year. Maddie Miller, I believe was second in scoring, uh, around mm-hmm. 9.5, nine and a half points a game. So, you know, not a ton of work. I think the top 10 is pretty solidified for the most yeah. part. And then you kind of just, you're reaching, reaching a little bit if you go past that too much. Sure. So, um, and then there was just nothing else that stood out on for the rest of, I mean, TCU I was about, was yeah. rebuilding to a degree at SMU. I couldn't really discern anybody there. Uh, UTSA obviously added Kira White to its backcourt, but I don't fully trust anything else on that. Obviously, we'll get into Jordan. A Jake lot of speculation later. on UTSA. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and like Sam Houston, 
is is okay. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of go through them. But I, I feel like that's a pretty good ten, and then two um, on top of that. So sure. All right. There yeah, it is. I'm okay with that, man. Uh, I think we. I think we did a good job. You know, there was not much arguing going on through text or things like that. Uh, there was only no, like a couple. No. Que- there was only a couple questions like, "Oh, what's what's up with this?" You know, the, but, the top but... the top was was harder to to figure out on both sides. Obviously, you know, the one and right. two for both. Uh, I think Texas Baylor is both one two on both sides. No, Texas three on the men's side. Sorry, Houston. Yeah, Tennessee. But yeah, there's a good list. Uh, we hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, like I said on YouTube, I had the rankings up for y'all to see. Um, so if you want to check out the YouTube, uh, we appreciate that. And uh, yeah, leave us a five star rating wherever you listen to the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at DCT Basketball, at Matthew Bruni, at Ishmael R. Johnson. Uh, let us know what you think of the list. Who's too high? Who's too low? Um, you know, it's gonna. We always enjoy embracing the uh the debate the, the feedback from y'all so we, what, uh, we got we got front courts coming next week right front courts coming next week so Let's we go. will get the bigs involved and that'll will really continue our uh preseason content at that point it'll be october so we're less than oh, a month geez. away at that point oh Whew. god when's the magazine is the magazine out N- the magazine will come out so we go to press uh mid-october so okay. it'll be out uh, uh early november or late october early november hopefully we're hoping cool there you go there's a free plug all right guys uh we appreciate y'all for joining us again uh check out the youtube if you haven't already but yeah we appreciate y'all for joining us we'll talk to y'all later